0: hello and welcome to the 360 lady the complete whole and thriving lady every two weeks we talk about stories or hard truths in our various pillars of life such as spirituality relationships career finances and many more my intention on this podcast is to strengthen and empower women to walk in god's ultimate truth of completeness in him i am your host mcway oyetunji hello 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 my 360 ladies how are you all doing it's the very last sunday in the month of october and as you step into november here's wishing you strength to the tired joy to the brokenhearted and peace to the trouble for those who have not listened to episode 29 and 30 take a moment pause reel back and listen to the series a letter to my younger self they were very deep insightful and reflective episodes and i'm sure those who have listened can testify that they have taken one or two nuggets from it winter spring summer and fall which is the fairest of them all did you get the rhyme there <laughs> okay okay But well, for real for real if you know me very well you would know that I do not like the winter at all. Not for a moment. I mean, I hear people say, oh, I just love the winter fashion and the coats and the snow. So beautiful. So, so pretty. And I'm looking like, sorry, what? I would rather be in the Bahamas by the beach where all I can do is eat and sleep. Yes, fair enough. I might get bored after a while, but my point is I would pick 30 degrees Celsius any day, anytime over minus 10 degrees Celsius. It's just a no brainer. On this side of the world for the past month, the weather has really, Really change shorter days, longer nights, cold nights, and gloomy days. So much so that these days I just do not want to get out of bed. I rarely ever exercise anymore, and most evenings I just feel bleh. That's the honest truth. If I had to be vulnerable here, I just feel bleh. Now the other day I was talking to my colleague who was trying to convince me to participate in an event called Run in the Dark, happening on the 9th of November. Now let me give you a bit of context. The event sees twenty five thousand people worldwide. They get From their armchairs, slip on their red flashing armbands, and put on their running shoes to complete a 5k or 10k run at 9 pm UK time, UK or Irish time. Can you imagine running on a freezing winter night at 9 pm? To be honest with you, I participated in runs and I think it's a great thing to do, especially when it's for a cause. This one is a global movement that will not only light up the night as people run, but it's to help cure paralysis in our lifetime. I thought about it, really thought deep about it. I was almost getting convinced. But my guns and said, no chance. No, no, no chance. Then another colleague came to the table to join us. And she started trying to convince the other person. His convincing didn't even last for long. And he said, I do not run. I do not run. Then he looked at me and said, what about Mo? Then I started explaining how I just don't like the winter. And the idea of running at night during the winter is just demoralizing. Then he said, oh, you have SAD. I initially said, "Mm hmm. Then I agreed and said, yeah, maybe a little bit. Now, for those who don't know what SAD is, SAD stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. So SAD, which according to the NHS is a type of depression that comes and goes in a seasonal pattern. It is also known as winter depression because the symptoms are usually more apparent and more severe during the winter. Now, To my Christian sisters, I'm sure all of you are saying like, God forbid it, I reject it. Amen. Amen, somebody. Some symptoms of SAD are having a loss of pleasure or interest in normal everyday activities, irritability, feeling lethargic and sleepy during the day, or even sleeping for longer than normal and finding it very hard to get up in the morning. That was me. Or that is me. What causes SAD? I have no clue, but some people say it's often linked to reduced exposure to sunlight during the shorter autumn and winter days. The main theory of this is that lack of sunlight might stop a part of the brain called the hypothalamus working properly. Now my biology students, where are you? Now this may now affect the production of melatonin, one, or two, production of serotonin. So melatonin is a hormone that actually makes you feel sleepy. In people with SAD, the body may produce it in higher than normal levels. Serotonin, on the other hand, is a hormone that affects your mood, your appetite, your sleep and a lack of sunlight may lead to a lower serotonin level which is linked to the feeling of depression. Or it could even be as simple as affecting your internal body clock. Because basically your body uses sunlight to time various important functions. You know, for example, when you wake up, you know, so lower sunlight levels during the winter may disrupt your body clock and lead to symptoms of SAD. Anyways, the other colleague of mine went on to say, Oh, you should definitely get this special lamp that stimulates exposure to sunlight. So, what did your girl do a couple of days after? I went onto Amazon and started searching for the lamp. I saw quite a few ranging from about 20 pounds to over pounds and i still wanted to check other sites to get the very best one so i was patient i was very patient now all of a sudden what happens i start seeing ads on instagram showing me these lights not normal ones but sophisticated ones even the ones with audio personalization of your name and whatnot i mean we all know that phone is listening google is listening and there's data analytics however it didn't stop there one day i was walking out outside of work so i was walking out the door i saw this you know tree lights they use for decoration for breast cancer awareness month and I I thought, hmm, wouldn't that be pretty enough to put by my bedside to give me that sunlight stimulation? As I walked out to my car, I thought, hmm, anything bright and shiny I see now, I automatically start thinking, special lamp that could help my mood. I'm sure we all hear the story of, you know, a guy who drives a white Honda or a white Mercedes-Benz for donkey years, so many years, and he wants to buy a red Jaguar. He goes out the car dealer to view the car and all of a sudden what happens? He starts seeing so many red Jaguars on the road. That is what happened to me. And the mind and our thoughts are truly very powerful. And with that, I'm titling the episode, You Are What You Think. Now let's go down the anatomy road. I'm extremely fascinated about two parts of the human body, if you know me, the brain and the heart. If I were to study medicine, God knows, God knows this, that I would either have done neurology or cardiology. So let's give it up to the doctors who are out there <laughs> helping to save lives. Looking at the brain, there are about 100 billion, not million, billion neurons in the human brain. The same number of stars in our galaxy. Think about that. The slowest, the slowest speed information travels between neurons is 260 miles per hour. Now let's pause and think about that. If you live in the UK or Europe or, you know, whatever, the maximum speed limit On a motorway is about 70 miles per hour. That's about a quarter of the slowest speed information travels at in your brain. Now, the average number of thoughts that the humans are believed to experience each day is about 70,000. Not 7,000, not 700, but 70,000. Now, let's do the math. If you step six hours, that's 300 and probably 800 and something thoughts per hour and 65 thoughts per minute. So, you as a human being has an average of 65 thoughts per minute. Wow, wow, wow. It's no wonder that our belief controls our actions and our thoughts are key to defining us. Now I'll tell you um a true life story. There was a guy named Ezra. Bible scholars, I know there's Ezra in the Bible, but this is a guy named Ezra who was born in slavery on a Georgia cotton plantation in 1800. I wasn't alive. Your parents probably were not alive. At the end of the Civil War, his owner called him and the other slaves in from the fields and gave them their freedom. Some milled around trying to decide their next steps. Some shouted for joy, you know, singing hallelujah, and left the plantation immediately. Ezra, who. Was was approaching his 65th birthday I mean the guy's been there since god knows how long turned on his heels and walked right back into the very same field he had been working since he was a child and resumed his work think about it. I heard the story and I'm like, sorry, what? Now, while the fact of his freedom made him free, there was no freedom in his condition. Since he was an infant, he was brought up as a slave. He was trained as a slave. His security was in his enslavement. His owner took care of him and met his basic needs. The fact is, his freedom was as foreign to him as another language and while he was free he was still enslaved someone might have said to him if you walk in freedom you would never have to serve a master again you would never have to cut the grass or you will never have to pick cotton again and while Ezra may have heard these words very clearly inside of him he wouldn't have been able to put his faith in them why because of how he thought and it's very similar to the example I gave about thinking on certain things. The more I thought about getting something to boost my mood and help those symptoms, the more I saw it everything that could help me. I saw the lamp at the entrance of my workplace. I saw the lamp on Instagram. I saw the lamp every single way I looked. So your thoughts really, really, really is so crucial. We have all struggled at times with negative thoughts, either from negative parenting, learned patterns and relationships, or even from distorted perspectives that we've picked up along the way. And honestly, you've probably noticed that you can't really change your behavior without changing your thoughts. If you think about even the Bible girl, baby girl just walking, talking, you know, sipping on some iced tea. When the serpent came over and asked her a question, one question that changed her thoughts and her mindset, then it changed her diet and then it changed her actions. Has God indeed said you shall not eat the fruit? That was all it took to question herself and the power and potential God had given her. Her truth was uprooted. Are there times when you felt that your truth was uprooted and you no longer felt safe, whole, loved, wanted, liked, beautiful or even good enough, I have learned over time that the key thing to do when I start feeling like my truth is being operated is to change my thinking and to renew my mind because our belief system is stronger than our desire. I'll say that again. Our belief system is stronger than our desire. I recently started reading a book by Amy Morin called Thirteen Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. As I started reading the book, I fully understood that two people may go through the same experience and have two totally different outlooks, all because of their mindset. Out of the thirteen things mentally strong people don't do, I'll pick five to talk about today, and these ran deep in me. The first thing is they avoid dwelling in the past. So if you listen to episode twenty-nine and thirty, I titled it "A Letter to My Younger Self." We re went down memory lane. And as I concluded, I mentioned that we can't reverse the past or go back into time to remove the hurdles and the barriers we encountered. However, what we can do is mold the future. You see, there's a strength in acknowledging the past, especially in things that have been learned from the past. But a mentally strong person avoids letting those past mistakes define them. It is so key to invest our energy in the present and the future. I mean, the past can teach us lessons. They always do. However, we should focus and invest our energy in the present and the future in 2 corinthians 5 17 it says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation The oh, all things have passed away behold new things have come there's a song that my friends say we move the second thing that mentally strong people don't do is that they avoid worrying about pleasing others for the bulk of my first year moving to scotland from england i would have described myself as a certified people pleaser after about eight to nine months though the temptation to keep everybody ha- happy started to lose its grip on me. There are a bunch of reasons why but the biggest was that I started realizing that I was being bossed around about what the bible calls fear of man. I didn't want anybody to be unhappy with me so I would say whatever I needed to keep the fake peace which meant I wasn't always telling the truth. For those of you who are thinking what on earth is fake peace? Fake peace is a temporary false feeling of relief and escape rather than true peace and eventually the consequences of those actions will burn you. For me it was my bank account and it was burning really bad. One story in the bible which was enormously encouraging me as I tried to shake loose of my people-pleasing tendencies was in Luke 1. You know, when Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, were their sons circumcision with friends and family, you know, having a jolly party, you know, house party, cake, jollof rice, fried rice, you know, having a good time. Apparently, the neighbors and relatives wanted to name the child Zechariah after his father. You know, that whole tradition thing. You know, some of the Nigerians, um, Yoruba particularly, might relate when you want to name someone Babatundi or Junior for those who live in the Western world. Now, Elizabeth, Elizabeth stood firm and said, no, he will be called John and this went on and this went on and this went on after Elizabeth wouldn't accept it and please keep in mind that these people loved our auntie E and uncle Z they questioned her by they questioned her answer by petitioning Zachariah Zachariah who couldn't talk he was mute at the time also stood firm by writing his answer his name is John right after Elizabeth and Zachariah stood their ground three things happened the first thing that happened was Zachariah started speaking again the second thing that happened was that he started 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 praising God. And the, the third thing that happened was that all people could talk about was baby John all throughout Judea. Elizabeth and Zechariah did not try to explain. They didn't go out of their way to make sure everyone understood their decision. And their obedience ultimately gave credibility to John's calling. Look at the story of John the Baptist. How did that turn out? Now, talking about it, it actually reminds me that when we are called into purpose, we have clear instructions. Our job is to stand in that very spot. We don't have to over explain, there's no need. We don't have to make sure everybody. Is okay with what we're doing and we don't have to work for our certification in people pleasing because when we know how the Lord has called us and directed us, we get to stand there confidently and the fear of man ain't got nothing on us. Ladies, my ladies, if you're a people pleaser like I once was, remember that people who are mentally strong are able to withstand the possibility that someone will get upset with them. Not everyone can be happy with you. So join your girl in becoming mentally strong by aligning your thoughts life with God's truth so that you can be who you were created to be in Christ. Now the third thing mentally strong people don't do is that they avoid giving up after failure. The only guarantee in life is that we will all fail. We will do so over and over again and when we fail, like really really fail, it hurts. It can feel like the earth is crumbling down. Mentally strong people are willing to keep trying until they get it right. For all my ladies who have failed, the truth is that you must have tried to be in this position because if you didn't try you won't be in that position. Position, right? the fear of failure runs so deep, like really, really deep, that a lot of people choose not to try to avoid the possibility of failing. You know the thing that, you know, you have it at the back of your head, you're giving yourself that pep talk, like, maybe I shouldn't do it so that I won't fail. Like, you just don't even begin because you don't want to fail. But we need to start giving ourselves a pat in the back for trying. I'm probably talking to mummies and aunties here, even daddies too. Normalize saying, I'm proud of you for trying to your child, even when they fail. Because it means a thousand more than even the words you can do it. When we muscle through the failure in the direction of trying again, we can fully master the art of falling forward. Every failure is a chance for improvement and growth. You always learn from your lesson. And no matter what type of failure you experience, as big as getting fired or as little as breaking a diet, remember that failure is a feedback on the process, not you as a person. The first one I like to talk about is avoid resenting other people's success. Now, have you ever, Had someone come to you to rejoice with them about something they prayed for and eventually got. But that very thing was the same thing you had been praying for and still haven't gotten. Amen. Hallelujah. It takes strength of character to genuinely feel joy and excitement for other people's success. It is not easy. It's not a walk in the path, but love rejoices with others. Love does not become jealous or resentful when others succeed. One thing that, you know, I know has helped me over the years is not comparing myself to others. Everyone has unique strengths talents and life experiences there would always be someone better richer and more accomplished than you but you don't need to waste your energy resenting them i've also realized that in our lives we all have seasons seasons of joy seasons of difficulty you know see time and harvest it would always come different seasons would always come and the only person you should compare yourself to is the person that you were yesterday now, the last thing that mentally strong people don't do is that they don't fear alone time. And I love this one so much. A few weeks ago, someone actually called me saying, oh, how come you don't always have lunch with the team and, you know, you sit by yourself sometimes? I was like, hmm. I was taken aback, you know, because as you know, as I know, I'm more extroverted than introverted. But as the conversation ended, I had a self-introspection and I thought to myself, well, sometimes I need that alone time. I need that alone time to be charged, to be creative, and sometimes even more productive. Mentally strong people can tolerate being alone and they don't fear silence. They aren't afraid to be alone with their thoughts and they can use downtime to be productive. They enjoy their own company and aren't dependent on others for companionship and entertainment all the time. But instead, they can be happy alone. You see, the biggest misconceptions of extroverts, because I'm one, is that they don't like quiet or alone time. That is so, so not true. A lot of people tell me this and I'm like... "Mm." I don't know about that. You see, I'm a full blast extrovert on all skills, but I also enjoy being alone. And in fact, I love my alone time when I get the chance to experience it. However, I know if I'm alone for too long, I crave being around people again, which recharges my battery. But believe it or not, alone time or isolation, as I like to call it, is the very first stage of fulfilling purpose. So a lot of times you need that alone time. If you think about it. David was already chosen, but before he was a king, he went through the stage of isolation on the fields as a shepherd even jesus himself went to the mountain from time to time, isolating himself to receive from the father and i'm sure my introverts are like yeah that's why we have a long time <laughs> As we concrete the effects of ours, we must remember that God looks at our future while the enemy tries to keep us in our past. God says you can in spite of what has been done. The enemy says you can't because of what you have done. God will never define you by your past issues, but the enemy will try to confine you by them. Whether it is good, bad, or ugly that dominates your life up until now, it is the devil's goal to keep you chained there. Never let your yesterday keep you from your tomorrow. Learn from yesterday, but don't live in it. Your victory comes through learning and then applying what you have learned. Becoming who God wants you to be with your thoughts. So becoming who God wants you to be starts with your thoughts. Who am I? Who is Mo? What am I been called to do? What do I want to do? How can I be like? Always remember that the devil's number one strategy is to plant unhealthy thoughts in your mind, repeating them over and over until you start thinking that they are your own thoughts. As I touched on this earlier, at the point Satan told Eve she would be like God if she ate the fruit, that thought came straight from the devil himself and he planted it in Eve's mind. So be mindful of what you think because from that you become what you think and that's it my 360 ladies today's quote is one of my favorite quotes by frank outlaw which says watch your thoughts they become your words watch your words they become your actions watch your actions they become habits watch your habits they become your character watch your character they become your destiny and here i ask you my 360 ladies what are your thoughts today are they true are they noble are they right are they pure are they lovely are they admirable are they excellent or praiseworthy if they are not let's take a 180 spin and evaluate it's a wrap thank you thank you thank you my 360 ladies for listening thanks for joining us this week on the 360 lady i trust you have taken some golden nuggets to live in a complete life in christ if you haven't already done so please subscribe to the 360 lady on this platform to stay in touch and never miss a show if you like the show kindly liberating on the platform so we can keep bringing a mix of magnificent and inspiring episodes. Thanks for listening, my ladies, and see you in two weeks.